You're listening to Vet Candy. Hi, this is Dr. Jessica Turner, and you are listening to Living Well with Dr. Jessica. You're one stop for all things wellness, not just what to eat or how to move your body more, but everything in between. And you're going to see very quickly that today's show is going to be a little bit different, but in a really good way. It's going to be fun and lighthearted. And if you have been listening to the show, we've kind of been giving you some clues that we have something planned for the holidays. And this is a big part of it, you guys. And I'm just... I'm excited to have some fun, and what better time than this time of the year? So our guest today is Lucy Taylor. She is a registered vet nurse from England who has worked in both small animal and equine referral hospitals, but her passion and life's dedication has been in volunteer work in projects such as neutering projects all over the world, including Sardinia, South Africa, Morocco, and more. She is currently spending her summer in Barcelona, Spain, working at the University Veterinary Hospital before heading off to Lapland for her third winter season. And I I just can't wait to just hear more about what that even means, to be honest. Like, I know other listeners are like, Lapland, what is that? But it's just, it's such a treat to have you. Welcome on. Just jump in by sharing more about about you and how you ended up doing what you're doing these days. I mean, I've always quite liked traveling, but I never really got to do much as a child. But as soon as I sort of went into studying animal studies and then veterinary, suddenly a lot of opportunities started cropping up. And I knew as soon as I finished my training, I would be out of a full-time job and going traveling somewhere, anywhere else in the world. I just love it. I just love everything that it, it is. And combining both my passion for animals and then my passion for traveling, it's like the perfect life for me. So I, I do feel very lucky and like so glad that I've managed to make this life myself. But hopefully I've got lots more projects in line. Absolutely. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most fascinating people on our planet. Our entertaining continuing education programs are made for your streaming world. Fabulous, fun, and free. Available on demand anywhere and anytime. Don't miss out. Subscribe today on iTunes, YouTube, or a platform of your choice. Or visit myvetcandy.com for more information. I have to say, so I'm always the one that has the accent. Because if you've been listening, y'all know I'm from Louisiana. And it's nice to have someone else that has a beautiful accent (laughs) on the show with me. I just think it's fun that, you know, when you listen to the show, you're not just hearing from people that are like in your backyard. You know, it's I just think it's really cool that you're where you're at and you're getting ready for a night shift. And I'm still, you know, easing into lunchtime, what we're able to do in the world we live in today. So you've always had this love for travel. Was it easy for you to find opportunities for you to do both, like to combine your love for animals and your passion for the work you're doing with your passion for traveling? 
I wouldn't say they fell into my lap, like by any means. I have put a lot of like research and looked into where I was going. But I think nowadays there are so many opportunities, like they are easy to find if you know where to look. So I often get like a lot of messages from people on Instagram or, you know, people that I know, like, I want to go and do a volunteer project somewhere. Where do I look? So, you know, like there's really good groups on social media, like Facebook, Instagram and things. There's a really good group on Facebook called Veterinary Volunteering and loads of people post projects from all over the world in there. It's amazing. And that's where I found Morocco and Sardinia as well. But yeah, there's so much out there to do. So I think I just want to convince as many people as I can to go out and do at least one. Because I mean, once you do one, you'll want to do more, (laughs) especially after the whole COVID thing. I mean, we're still in it, but after the whole pause in projects around the world and Mm -hmm. people not being able to get out to places that are hard to get to, they are like overrun with feral cats now, you know, like stray dogs. They need people now more than ever. So I really want to encourage as many people yeah. to do it as well. I'm glad you mentioned that because I would think it's easy for people listening to be like, well, is it even an option really now? And you're sharing that not only is it an option, but it, it may be the best time ever to get involved because there's such a need. How long have you been kind of living this lifestyle? So I qualified three and a half years ago and I did my first veterinary project as soon as I had done my final exams. <laughs> I was like, right, that's it. <laughs> and then it was actually Lapland that made me hand in my notice to my full-time job and say, okay, I want to do this like full-time because Lapland is two months long and they couldn't give me the time off. So I said, you know what? I'm going. <laughs> so probably about three and a half month, uh, years, but I did my first ever animal project abroad in Estonia seven, seven years ago. I was studying animal care at college uh, after I'd finished high school, high school in England. I don't know what that equates to in America. <laughs> yeah. And I went to Estonia for two weeks to volunteer and it was really, really good. And I loved it. And I think that was the first project that really sprang it on. So after that, a year mm-hmm. later, I went to South Africa with college again on like a conservation project. And I was like, yeah, I want to do this all the time, not just once a year. <laughs> you were kind of dabbling in in this kind of world before you even graduated. And so when, when you got that diploma, you were like ready to run. You weren't like a newbie at it. You, <laughs> you knew how to operate in that kind of, because I'm, I'm sure it's got to be so different if you're someone that's going from more traditional, you know, practice setting I imagine it being such a rush of adrenaline and maybe not like the whole time, but probably the whole time, just because it's so like out of the norm of what we typically view, you know, the opportunities within veterinary medicine. And although I remember like people talking to us when I was in vet school about opportunities like this, it was like a fraction of probably what's out there nowadays. And it just seemed like such a far-fetched idea, but it really isn't. And I'm glad you mentioned the the Facebook group so that our listeners can, you know, go search for those resources and see if this is something that they really do want to jump into. And who knows, it may end up kind of like your situation where you fell in love with it and you knew like, this is what I want to do. I want to kind of go into 
you sharing about Lapland because I'm not gonna lie when when I was reading about that and that being part of your story I'm like I don't even know what that what does that even mean like where is Lapland? <laughs> so Lapland is where Sansa lives and um, it's basically in the north north of Finland uh, in the Arctic Circle so the sun never rises above the horizon at a certain point of the winter. So I think we're there for about two two weeks and then the sun just never rises past the horizon. So you get quite a few hours of just a constant sunrise, sunset, beautiful skies, like all different colours are beautiful, and then just darkness. So you have to take your vitamin D, otherwise you are so tired and like, yeah, it does affect you more than you would think. Like, I remember people on my first season, on their first season, they were saying, oh, I'll be fine. I don't need to take vitamin D. And then like two weeks in, they were like, yeah, I need to take, start taking some vitamin D. <laughs> so yeah, and it's really cold. It's like, can get up to minus 40 degrees Celsius. It can get up to. And especially when, if, if you get winds, that's when you can feel it. Because normally it's quite tranquil. Yeah, I mean, it's cold, but like if you take, you get special clothes to wear. So you get like a snowsuit, you get boots, you get special gloves and socks and things. But I mean, if you take your hand out of your glove for more than 10 seconds, your hand starts to hurt. So you got to dress appropriately for the weather. <laughs> I can't even wrap my head around that. So like I mentioned before, I live in the South. And I cannot handle the cold. And our winters have been, you know, we had an ice storm last year that we did not know how to operate in. It was really bad for parts of our state that was already kind of dealing with hurricane, you know, issues. But I remember just, like, I didn't even want to step outside and it was not even a fraction (laughs) to what you're describing. And the one time that we went to, I think it was Breckenridge, Colorado, and we did a dog sledding um, excursion up to like the highest point. I think it was like negative five that day. And I remember taking my gloves off to try and take a picture and literally being afraid I had frostbite by the end of that like couple of minutes. So I just can't even fathom like what negative 40 is like. I bet it's absolutely beautiful and so worth it, but you definitely... I would not survive. <laughs> you would. You'd be fine. I do love the cold. But I think now it's going to hit me more than ever after spending a whole summer in a nice warm place. It's going to really hit me this year, I think. <laughs> but I mean, I'm naturally quite pale. I'm naturally, I think, a winter person. So yeah, I'm excited to get back to the cold and get back to snowboarding and elfing around. <laughs> elfing around. Okay, so I know what I want to go into next, and I, I feel like we're gonna we're gonna be talking about that for a while. So I'm gonna actually go to a quick break now, and we'll be back soon. And we're gonna we're gonna dive more about this elephant around. <laughs> and I'm sure our listeners are like, "What are we about to talk about?" <laughs> but I, I told y'all it was our holiday special, and this is it's just meant to be a lighthearted, fun episode while still kind of. I want to shine light on the opportunities that are out there, you know, like for, for the people that are created to do less traditional work, they want to see the world. They want to, you know, explore their options. I think this is just a wonderful topic that we could easily tie into some, some festive fun. So we will be right back after a quick break. 
We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hello, this is Caitlin Palmer. You probably know me as the desk wench. You know, the sweet TikTok receptionist who has to deal with the evil Karen Stevens. Well, if you like that, you are going to love my new podcast, Desk Wench Confessions. On my show, I have funny guests who tell me about their own Karens. Plus, we have contests, giveaways, and skits. Trust me, you are going to love it. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice on Vet Candy Radio. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with Lucy Taylor, and we are talking about different opportunities out there within the veterinary field um, that allow you to to see the world. And we're about to kind of dive into what she does on a specific location in in Lapland. She just explained where that's at because she is about to go on her third winter there. And I know if you're like me, and that's the first time you even heard of Lapland, and like this is just a brand new concept. I'm dying to know, like, what do you do? Okay, you said you're there for what, almost two months, you said? Yeah, so I'm there for two months. So I'm actually heading out soon, 10th of November, flying to the north. And yeah, basically, I'm an elf. So (laughs) there's lots of different jobs with Lapland. But I have a background in performing outside of Bettany, performing, singing, acting, doing musical theatre. And a lot of my friends had actually gone and done this sort of season I don't know if you do you know about much season work so you can do summer seasons winter seasons it's another opportunity to travel and I think it's a lot of things that a lot of young people do when they sort of finish school or in their gap year of university but it's basically a way, yeah a way to work abroad to travel and to get some yeah work experience as well so a lot of people go out and do sort of rep work um you know, in Ibiza, I'm, I'm just thinking of places that are in Europe, you might not know, but like holiday resort kind of work. And then in the winter, people go and do ski seasons, work in the mountains, a chalet host or bar work, restaurant work, everything. There's so many different jobs that you could apply any of your skills to. If you're good with people, yeah, you can apply and be a rep. If you've worked in bars before, you can, yeah, go and work behind a bar in a chalet in France. But me, being a performer type person, I was like, okay, let's go and do something that's non-veterinary. And then I saw Lapland and I was like, they need elves. I can go and be an elf. (laughs) So I applied, I had an interview, had an audition and then got the job. Yeah, this will be my third time returning. And basically, yeah, it's just a performing job, entertaining the children, uh, working with the real Santa in Lapland, just doing everything. There's like a pantomime that the elves do uh, for the kids and the kids absolutely love it. All sorts, wrapping the presents, working with Santa is the main one, obviously, at his little cabin in the woods. But yeah. That's so cool. (laughs) I'm not even going to lie. I totally, my, my vet mind was like, oh, okay, I guess she takes care of the reindeer. Like, <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people do ask me that. They're like, are you there working with the reindeer or the huskies? I'm like, no, <laughs> a bit different. Because <laughs> you hear, I mean, I know, I mean, very briefly, I'll see like conversations in different veterinary groups about people being selected to go take care of the huskies during, you know, sledding and, and all that kind of stuff. And 
that alone is like, oh, that's such a cool opportunity. And so I guess my mind was going there that that was kind of the role. But I think this is such a great way to like show our listeners that just because you're within the veterinary field and you love to do like that line of work that's very, you know, analytical and science-based, if you are creative at heart in some regard too, like it's so hard to put those two together. And I'm talking for personal experience because I was that person that I swear I went through like so many different things my senior year in high school as what I wanted to do. And veterinary was not (laughs) one of them. But Arts was a big one, but at the same time, I had always thought I would do something in medicine. I thought it was going to be more human medicine, but the thought of them coinciding in any kind of way was just like, no, that's not going to happen. And I used to joke, I wanted to be a psychiatrist, and I used to joke that I was going to draw my my patients. That was going to be like my happy medium. But I think so many of us lose that creative side or even if it's not like the arts per se, but just something that you love doing before you became. Even just for like finding time to do it. I think this is just such a fun example of like, okay, I love performing. I love to sing. And like, what are my options that, and then the fact that you brought in another love, love for travel, it's really encouraging. I think for anyone that's listening that maybe feels like they had to pick between, you know, the two. I mean, my thing is, like, when I was living full-time in England, I was part of a musical theatre group. But obviously that takes a lot of dedication. That's rehearsals and you can't miss rehearsals. So once I started travelling, I couldn't do that anymore. So this is, like, my happy medium. I'm like, okay, I need to find a way of performing while I'm on the go. So, yeah, that's, like, my happy medium, I think. And it's quite nice, honestly, to... Like, obviously, we all know that veterinary is, like, such a tough industry to be in, especially at the moment when everyone's just run down, everyone's short-staffed. It's quite nice to just, you know, say, okay, I'm going to take two months away and just do something completely different. And then it sort of makes you resent. So, you know, if you are getting in a bit of, like, a, oh, I'm getting really sick of my job or you don't want to resent it, you can say, okay, I'm going to take two months off. And then by the time you come back, you're like, I've really missed my job. I'm really mm-hmm. happy to be back. So this may be like a horrible example, but I think people could relate to it. I always joke that when I'm getting close to going on like a trip that I'm just going on, whether it's for work or or whatever, that my girls, it's almost like they could sense, they do something to like almost push me to the edge to where I'm like, I can't wait to get out of here. (laughs) And then by the time I come home, I'm like, oh, I miss y'all so much. I'm so glad to be back home. But I mean, every single time I'm about to leave, I say it. I'm like, what is the deal? Like, I think it's just like God's way of preparing me for having to be away from y'all. Like, (laughs) I need the break. (laughs) I know what you mean, though, with with the work aspect of things. And I think, you know, Granted, I I feel like we're going to have a lot of people that are listening that are like, oh, yeah, that would be nice, but I can't do that. (laughs) But even if you could get creative, and this is kind of like several different points that I'm thinking of, but one, if you could think of some of those things that bring you joy that are completely unrelated to the veterinary field that you could make time for. When you were mentioning what you used to do and the time commitment that that required and how that wasn't really going to work, I think a lot of people would just give up there. And they'd say, well, it's just not going to happen anymore. It's the season of life I am. I just need to focus on work or family, whatever it is. 
But I think we live in a time where it's so easy to be able to just get on the internet and like Google, you know, different ways to whatever. The thing is that you want to do more of and you could probably find something to meet your schedule, your your time allotment to have that refueling from something completely unrelated to veterinary. And then the other thing is, okay, we're talking about taking a break from your work so that you could kind of have that reset so you don't get into a place of resentment. And if that's not something that you could do, I'd first question, is it really that you can't do it? Or is it just something that you can't wrap your head around doing because it hasn't been a priority before? I think so many of us feel guilty of like even entertaining that because especially if you're like juggling being a parent and you're potentially planning a trip where you're not going to be with your family because then it's like, oh my goodness, that's two guilt trips. <laughs> but I feel like I've lived that out the last couple of years where I've it's in the middle of COVID and not being able to do things. It became so clear to me how much I relied on frequent mini trips, whether it was by myself with you know, girlfriends for work or just my husband or as a family, I saw how much that affected my well-being in general. And so now for me, I'm like, I will, you know, verbally express that. Like, it's just something that I advocate for now and I'll make happen. And so I think people need to give themselves permission to do that. Because we're so rubbish at looking after ourselves. Like if it was our friend, if it was someone that we loved and we saw how much like they were struggling or how tired they were or how much they needed a break, we would be like, you need to take a break. But it's so hot. Like, why could we not say that to ourselves? Like, yeah, we just need to be kinder to ourselves, don't we? And recognize when we do need time. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hey, pet parents. This is your favorite lifestyle guru, Renee Michelle, and I'm excited to tell you about my new show on Pet Candy. Join me and make some cute pet stuff. Talk about life and love and everything in between. Check out the Renee Michelle Show on mypetcandy.com and let's have some fun. I know I keep like bringing in the the parenthood and not everyone listening. I mean, you're obviously not in that boat, but I think about it as, okay, what if this is one of my girls later in life, you know? And I was trying to get them to see the big picture. Like, why is it any different for me? I remember my dad giving me very similar advice because he's also in the medical field, you know, kind of stressing the need for care that was outside of what was, you know, um, normal or viewed as something that was a, a necessary thing. He was able to kind of look back and be like, look, it's not it's not worth it. <laughs> like, it's not worth working yourself to death. You know, you need to be able to do things and get away and reset and and really just look at, again, what your priorities are. And if you're in a place where all you allow yourself to do is go to work and go home and there's no like in between to pour into what brings you joy and allows you to kind of reset, then I think that's why a lot of us find ourselves in a place of burnout and, and wanting to quit in general. And it's not like it's like 
few and far between like so many people have experienced burnout like it's a serious problem in this profession like I I don't know if it's the same in America but I imagine it probably is (laughs) like we it's just the same everywhere we there does need to be I don't know even if it's just a change in the way we work and the way we run rotors I don't know I know for me since being a locum I am a bit of a workaholic so when I'm at home I am like okay I'll pick up this extra shift to save some money so I can put it towards my travels but it's easier for me because I know that I'm going to have a large break after a hard run but being alone and choosing your own hours was like a massive help for me even in just time management I could say okay I need this time off here you know I can only work this hours this week so I can book an appointment you know the stress of just having to book I don't know a dentist appointment or an optician's appointment (laughs) I I remember when I first got out of school I want to say I was working for at least a year before we even had the conversation but I was like when do you go to the doctor When do you go to the dentist for your routine cleaning? And I remember kind of being met with like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I'm always here. (laughs) It's so true. And I I think that's part of why there's been an increase of people going more into relief because, you know, you you get to call the shots, essentially. You can't blame them. (laughs) There are a lot of people that are trying to be a part of positive change that are practice owners and, you know, they are working towards doing things in a different manner that makes things like this not like a luxury. You're meant to be able to to take care of yourselves and not feel like you're putting your, your team in a bind or, you know, things like that. And I think there are a lot of great people out there that are being part of that change. And so if you're listening and that's you, thank you. <laughs> I know there's so many people that, I mean especially if you have like a comparison between a, a clinic that's maybe stuck um, in the past and, and one that's more focused on moving forward as a profession. It's very extreme differences I've found. And so I don't know why that just made me think if you're listening and you're in a situation where you feel like you're not supported in that regard, know that there's other options out there. Um, you don't have to stay at the same place forever. I know that's like easier said than done, but I've actually done it. And I did it in a place where I didn't have a backup job and I got one, you know, like it wasn't the end of the world. (laughs) But I recognized that I I was going to leave the field in a matter of a couple of years if I didn't make a change. Sometimes our, our listeners, you know, colleagues need to hear that because you almost feel like, a failure or, you know, like it's your fault in some regard on why you feel like you're stuck in this situation when it's not necessarily the case. But also like, can I just say, I think a lot of people that experience like this burnout and stuff, they feel like they've fallen out of love with the profession, but they haven't. Like it's just falling out of love with the environment because it's so like toxic or, you know, hard, hard. But once you change your environment, like for example, here in the environment, work environment in the UK compared to Spain, for example, the job is very, very different because in Spain, they don't have vet nurses. They have like they're called ateuves. They're like assistant, like auxiliaries. So they train for it's either six months or a year, whereas in the UK, it's three years. But just the work environment is so nice 
And I don't know if it's just this hospital in general, but I don't think it is. I think it's just everyone's a bit happier. Maybe it's the sun. I don't know. Maybe we're just lacking some sun in the UK. But like everyone helps each other. Everyone helps each other. It's such a supportive environment. Everyone's nice. It's long hours still, but everyone, you know, is there for each other. And so it's such a nice place to work. And yeah, I'm sad to leave, to be honest, but I think it's the environment. And I think if people as well want to, like my advice to people would be if if they want to do something like I'm doing, like, I mean, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Do you know what I mean? It's literally one of those things. Obviously, I'm speaking from a privileged position of I don't own a house. I have a car, but it's just staying at home. I don't have kids, which is obviously an upside when traveling. It's like, you know, a lot easier just to plan for yourself. Uh, and I don't have a partner. So it's literally just me on the road. But it wasn't an easy decision to quit my full-time job. Like it took a lot of talking with my like my brother, who was like my rock asking his advice thinking back and forth you know having that panic like oh what if I can't find a job afterwards you will find a job afterwards like there are so many openings out there yeah it's never going to be an easy decision it is a big jump but it was the best thing I've ever done and I think nothing that ever makes you say this is the best thing that I've ever done is an easy decision so do it you're gonna be that devil on your shoulder just do it (laughs) (laughs) if you're thinking about it just take the leap i love how you said that though about people falling out of love with the profession because i do think that is there's so much truth i do think there's people because i mean people are probably listening like uh you're not even in the field anymore (laughs) you know like i'm talking like everybody needs to stay where they're at and it's just you know i i look back and i truly believe that I was meant to be doing the work that I'm doing now. And that there was a reason I stepped away from clinical practice. But I do think there's a lot of people that truly in their heart don't want to leave, but they're convinced of that, you know, I don't love it anymore. And I know there's a lot of factors at play, you know, that kind of go into environment. But I think you sharing about the difference and where you're at, and it's still the same hours, still the same work, you know, it's like hope, you know, like if we keep doing what we're doing, you know, over here and there's more and more people that are aware of changes that need to be done and are willing to go against what has always been the way, even if it's hard, because everything that's, you know, worth something is <laughs> it's, it's some some work. But we can get to a place where our profession's not suffering or not to the extent that it is now, at least. I mean, we're always going to have, you know, difficult clients and all that good stuff. But I I just hope that people that are maybe listening that are like, but I've been trying to do this or to do this to make things better or make this change within my, my practice. And you don't necessarily see the fruits of that. Just hang on, like, just keep doing what you're doing maybe look a little closer for positive changes. You know, if you have teammates that kind of pull together, like you were talking about, stuff like that matters. And it really does, yeah, make a huge difference for the people that are working there. But yeah, just keep going. Know that you're doing, you know, work that matters. And that if there's enough of y'all doing it, we're gonna we're gonna move in the right direction. I just, I know it. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Vet Candy.
Hey, this is Shannon Gregoire. If you're like me, it's tough keeping up with everything VetMed, but now I'm gonna make your life a lot easier. Check out my show on Vet Candy TV, available on iTunes, YouTube, IGTV, and Facebook Watch. Catch up with all things VetMed with me. Well, I want to shift gears because when I first heard about you, And this whole concept of a holiday special came about. It was because of your love for performing for the arts. And while originally they wanted me to sing, I told them they surely didn't want me to sing. And (laughs) I know our listeners would much rather listen to someone that actually knows what they're doing and does this, you know, all the time. But do you sing, you know, as part of your elf activities or is it more? It's more just elfing around so frolicking in the snow and uh, it's a lot of like dancing and active movement and things i bet y'all break out in song on your own though at some point yeah but i mean so the elves have special voices because they don't actually speak english they speak elfish so they might hum a little song or two uh and you know spread some christmas cheer (laughs) But it's not like an opera performance, you know, it's not like proper. Are you willing to share, you know, your talents in that regards with our listeners and, and sing something for us? <laughs> I don't need brimming samples to cure my woes, oh, I just need your love. I, I, I 
just need your love. No, I don't need much under the tree, oh, but you can wrap me up. Ribbons and bowls to cure my woes, so oh, I just need your Oh, that was incredible. Thank you so much for just allowing us to have a peek into um, what you what you love doing and um, spreading a little holiday cheer into this episode. So I thought it would be fun to kind of end with you just sharing a little bit more about the animals that you do get to see and live amongst when you're in Lapland. And so just tell us a little bit more about that experience from the animal side of things. So in Lapland is where I first met proper reindeers which is amazing and I mean so at the resort where we live and we work there are the reindeers who pull the little sleighs through the woods and it's like the most magical thing ever and they're really well looked after but fun fact about reindeers is there's actually more reindeers than people in that land so all of the reindeer in Lapland or in Finland, is it that land or Finland? One of them are all wild. So they they aren't like kept in like a farm, like you would imagine like horses. But every year, the farmy people, they will go around and count all of their reindeer and see how many they've lost or have like wandered into a different person's like collection of reindeer. But they don't actually own them. They're all just wild, but they like, just look after them or whatever. Really cool. And then there's the Hus herding reindeer. Um, and there is actually uh, Huskies as well in that land. And they do the little Husky sleigh rides through the snow. And oh my God, they absolutely love their job so much. Like you have to really tell them to like stop because they just keep wanting to go. You're like, okay. I saw that too. When we went on our trip, it's true. They're such hard workers. They are. They're like, I want to run. I want to run. They're so beautiful. And you just think, oh my gosh, it's so cold. But And then now I feel sorry for if I see like a husky in a, a hot place because I'm like, you are not supposed to be. <laughs> I think that every time I see them down here, there's a lot of breeze that I think they shouldn't be here. It's too hot. But it's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah. But the Aurora Borealis is like, one of the most magical things to see. Have you seen it? No, only in pictures. Oh, it's the most magical thing ever when you see it. And there's a couple of times when it's not that strong and you think, is that that it in the sky? But then there's sometimes if you just go to somewhere where there's no light and you look at it and you think, wow, this is so beautiful. How often does, is that like a daily thing depending on what like the conditions are or is that? So it has to be without clouds and the normal time of year where the strongest is like February, March, I think, like January, February, March. But they are there in December and November when we go, normally December. And last time I was there, we left the pub <laughs> on Christmas Eve and the, the Northern Lights were out and it was the most magical thing ever. And I was like, this is Christmas Eve and it's so beautiful. I can't even imagine. I bet. I wish our listeners could see your smile. (laughs) I mean, it's just the love that you have for what you do and, you know, the impact that these experiences have on you, which, I mean, something's wrong with you if that doesn't impact you, but it shows so clearly 
you know, when talking to you, because we could see each other if you're wondering like what I'm talking about, but you only get to listen to us. But I just think that there's power in doing what you're doing and giving yourself permission to live in a way that kind of allows you to take everything that you love and that you're great at and kind of put it together because there's a ripple effect in there. I guess that's kind of how like I want to close things, you know, for our listeners, if you are still kind of in this place where you're like, I just can't see taking the time to do that or, you know, whatever it is because you're stuck in this like mindset of you feel selfish. I think the most powerful thing you could do for the people around you is take care of yourself because, I mean, we all impact each other. And if you have someone that makes things like this a priority and it keeps their cup full and they, you know, are able to keep a joy-filled smile on their face, it's going to be infectious to those around them. I mean, my, the one life motto, and it's so cliche and it is really cliche, but it's, I just don't want to live life with any regrets. So if I ever come face to face with a a decision or an opportunity and I think, am I going to regret not doing that? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Because the only thing that you regret are the things that you don't do. And I don't know if it's because my mum works at an old people's home. Like I always used to go there after school and talk to the elderly people and they always used to give me, you know, lots of words of wisdom. It's like, you really, you're so young. You go out and live your life. I'm like, you know what? Thank you, Deirdre. I will. <laughs> I'm going to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> I am and I'm happy. There's power in that. There's no doubt that that played a role in you living the way that you do. And I know that. I think so many people kind of find themselves in a place where they they do have those regrets even before, you know, it's like their last days, but they still feel like it's been too long. They, you know, they can't make any change at this point. But I think even opening your eyes to what you just said and looking at things through like a different lens and starting to ask those questions, am I going to regret if I don't do this? Am I going to regret if I don't take time off to go on a trip with my family or say yes to that friend that just asked me to do whatever? I think there's power in that. And so, again, if you're listening and you're kind of like, you don't even know where to start, start with that. Start with asking yourself questions like that. Well, it has been so much fun. (laughs) This has definitely been a different type of episode than usual, but in the best way possible. It's important to talk about the serious things, but it's also important to talk about, you know, the lighthearted things out there as well. And who doesn't like some holiday cheer? And so if you're okay with it, I would love for us to wrap things up by first sharing how people could um, get in touch with you, how they could keep up with your adventures. And then if you don't mind sending us off with one more song. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm on Instagram as at the traveling veterinary nurse. I'm also on Facebook. Um, I think Instagram is what I probably use more. And I have a link on my Instagram to my blog with lots of opportunities of um, traveling and projects and stuff on there as well. Yeah, here we go. Thank y'all for listening. And we hope you enjoy the show and that you enjoy um, one last song. We met in the winter